Welcome to How Did I Get This Far? Each episode will tackle the basic skills and knowledge that we all completely missed learning. Soon enough, you'll stop having to ask yourself, how did I get this far? On this episode, we talk about mental wellness. In addition to definitions and resources, we cover what to do if you or someone you love is experiencing a mental health challenge. This episode discusses suicide, so viewer discretion is advised. Hello, my wonderful listeners. This episode is designed to relieve some tension in your life because we are going to be talking about mental wellness. My inspiring guest today is Julia Brogley. She is the co-founder and creator of Brogley Box, the ideal care package for self-care, mental wellness, and stress relief. These vetted items and resources focus on mindfulness, sleep, nutrition, fitness, relaxation, and gratitude. The Brogley Box even includes its own magazine with articles and visual tools from mental health experts. Welcome to the show, Julia. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So I'm so inspired by what you've created here. So can you share the background um, or the backstory uh, with Brogley Box? Yeah, absolutely. So it all got started because um, I've had to manage my own mental health challenges basically since I was a kid. Um, I've dealt with anxiety, depression, OCD, perfectionism, and was always looking for coping mechanisms to help myself. Um, But I never really truly got the help that I needed or started speaking openly about these challenges until I unfortunately lost my brother, Justin, to suicide. Um, He was 24 years old. It happened six years ago. And that crisis truly woke me up to the realization that I needed to get help. I needed to, um, I've just felt inspired to help other people because the more and more we talked about it, my family was very open about the fact that it was a suicide. Um, And the more we opened up about it, more people came forward and said that they were experiencing the same challenges or they had in the past or they knew somebody. And so people just started asking us for resources and tools. And so I started talking about things that have helped me and then just basically had an Excel spreadsheet that um, was filled with products or websites or, you know, just like little article, like how to find a therapist or what to look for, um, just so that I was prepared for those conversations. And then the more and more I thought about it, I realized, like, how can I do even more? Because right now I'm only I'm only serving the people that approach me about the subject. Well, how can I do more to really get these resources in people's hands? And if you think about it, the people struggling are actually the least equipped to find those resources. So if someone's really struggling, they're most likely um, not going to be up for looking for resources themselves. And oftentimes it falls on their loved one or family member who want to support them. And so that's why we were like, let's create this care package company where someone can send a physical box of products and resources, um, something that is tangible and that someone can reference. um, And it's really just self-care reminders. And also, um, oftentimes, it's a pathway to professional treatment. So that is so impressive and inspiring that you've used your own struggles to not only help yourself and your family, but others and then others that need it the most. Thank you. That's nice. Like, obviously, everything I do is never going to bring my brother back. But I just really believe that we can help someone else and prevent that from happening. Um, Because oftentimes, like people just want to know that someone else cares about them and that they're not a burden. We write these handwritten messages from people's loved ones, you know, when they're going to the boxes. And it's just very inspiring, even for me, like it brings me to tears sometimes when I'm writing out these cards 
and just showing like how much people really care about other their loved ones. I'm sure your brother would be very proud of everything that you're Thank doing, you. especially in honor of him. Usually this is the part of the podcast where I share my own story. And I had told you, I was like, I don't think I should st- share my story this time because I don't think I've gone through anything awful enough to really like speak on this. And then you said, well, what if what you have gone through is something other people are going through and and would benefit from feeling connected and, and being able to recognize that what they're going through is valid and the feelings that they're having are valid. And so I would like to share, I guess, what had me discover my own sources of mental wellness. Um, I loved high school. I thought I had a great time. I had great grades. I had, you know, everyone was nice to me. I was involved in so many clubs. So I was like, well, I did great in a big high school. I'll do great in a big college. And um, I had a great dorm. And the roommate I had, she and I picked each other. So like everything was set up for me to succeed. Um, And this is anything that I went through was not anyone's fault. It was just an accumulation of things. Basically, I ate alone every meal. I didn't have really anyone to hang out with. Like nobody was going out of their way to be my friend. And I'm such a social, outgoing person, and it was just so hard to realize that this is my new reality. And I I did everything that I thought was right. I had joined, you know, a musical theater club, and I had, you know, I was doing well in my classes, and I was going to my classes. You know, everyone on my floor was from, like, the same high school. So even though they weren't mean to me, they were still clicky and not really inviting anyone else into their circle. And in the musical theater troupe, they had already been friends for a few years now. So I wasn't really embraced. And I just I didn't know what to do. I felt like I was just stuck to the point where I wanted to just drop out of college. And this was a girl who was getting straight A's in high school. And now I want to just not even be in school. I was, like, crying, like, every night. I didn't know what to do. And so my mom kept saying just get through the semester and then we'll figure it out. And I was like, okay, I'll power through, see if there's a light at the end of this tunnel. And um, one thing that I'm really proud my school had was this community for um, first semester students who were struggling transitioning and they embraced, you know, my feelings and it really helped. And then not like necessarily promoting like join a sorority, but there is these women from my sorority, well, my now sorority that were reaching out to me and All they had to do was just come and see me and say, tell us about you. And that's what they did. And I was like, you know what? Next semester, I'm going to join the sorority. These people are going to want to get to know me and my problems will be solved. And fortunately, all of those resources combined have led me to seeing the other side and now being motivated to make sure that no one feels that loneliness. Like no one needs to feel that way. Um, So that was a journey of mine with finding my own sources of mental health. Yeah, no, I think that is such a common problem. And you said like, oh, it's like not like you feel like your your situation wasn't hard enough or not whatever, but it, it was. The reality was it was hard for you. And I think this like comparison game of even people, like I hate to say this, but some people were like, well, you know, your brother's death was so much harder because it was suicide. And yes, it was hard, but my brother's death would have been hard regardless of the like what happened he died you know or Mm -hmm. so like I think this comparison trap can be really sticky and I'm glad that you shared your story because I think that is something that a lot of people go through when they they go to college it's really hard to meet people um, especially when the group that you're in is um, like already friends with each other or something so thank you for sharing that yeah that feeling of loneliness is is really hard to overcome absolutely yeah I work as a 
as a hype woman for like a mobile DJ company that does like bar and bar mitzvahs and like, you know, hypes up the crowd, Ooh, leads cool. the dances, hands out glow sticks. And, you know, our job is to make sure the crowd is having fun. But one of the things I make sure that I do is if there is a kid who is by themselves or just like looking at their phone, not up and dancing or just in a corner, I make sure I go up to them and or even like a grandparent or anybody that's not a part of the big group in the middle of the dance floor. And I just check in on them and I just talk to them and because I know how much that impacted me. And so I just want to make sure that everyone else feels that connectedness, that belonging. Yeah, no, that's so, that's awesome that you do that. Another, a resource that I'll just mention real quick, it's called The Buddy Project. Um, it started out as just like a manual pairing, but now they have like a whole technology behind it. But they literally pair you with someone virtually online and it's like a friend. It's almost like a pen pal, but you can choose how you interact with them. So it could be just through texting or through FaceTime or calling, whatever, email, like you choose what you're comfortable with. But she pairs you based on your preferences and situation. And it's just like to have someone because I think a lot of people do feel like they don't have anyone. Um, and they're, and they're, those people are out there. Your people are out there. It's just you have to find them. <laughs> That's awesome that someone created that. That's great. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we have so much more to cover. I made this a lot about me already. So we're going to switch over to having you share some more information. Can you just define mental health? I know I've kind of already used the word, but how would you define mental health? Yeah, so I think, first of all, it's important to recognize that every single one of us has mental health. Um, Most people don't think about the fact that they have mental health until there's an issue or they associate it with mental illness, um, which are two different, very different things. Um, I think all of us at some point in our lives will experience a mental health challenge. The severity of that could differ person to person. Um, But, you know, many people look at it as a spectrum, either they're perfectly healthy or they're mentally ill, when in reality, most people fall in between, and that can shift even from day to day. So I think just recognizing, you know, that every single one of us has mental health is a great first step um, when defining it. And it could be your mood, it could be your thoughts, it could be your behavior, it could just be your overall sense of being, you know, it all comes back to your physical, so like your brain, um, but also, you know, the emotional and the the mood and the spiritual and all of that. It's all encompassing. Yeah. And we'll definitely dive into it more before we go into more questions about mental health. Um, usually we do a little game here, but I have a new segment that we're going to do with you. It's pretty quick, but I think it's really helpful. I'm going to call this little known fact. Uh, so what would you say, Julia, what is a little known fact that most people might not know when it comes to understanding mental health or managing stress? Yeah, so I think many people assume that it's very complicated um, and it can be. So I don't want to dismiss the fact that it, it can be very complicated. But if you're looking for just like a quick thing that will bring you like make you grounded and, and kind of help you with stress, um, your breath is like so important. And often we forget that we're breathing sometimes, but when we're in states of stress or in panic or anxiety, we tend to actually breathe faster and we take in more oxygen than we are exhaling. Um, And so one, like, I don't know, little known fact that I learned about that was really helpful for me is just being more mindful of my breathing patterns Um, And one way to do that is there, it doesn't have to be complicated. Like there's all these different breathing techniques and you can try out the different techniques, but simply lengthening the the exhale can actually help you get back to a a 
state of calm. So if you like take your hands and put them on the bottom of your rib cage, and when you're breathing, when you breathe in, you don't have to breathe in for any extra amount than you normally would. If you feel your hands moving, then you're actually breathing through your diaphragm and not chest breathing. Um, when you're chest breathing, that can actually send signals to your brain that you're in a state of panic or your brain, your, your brain needs to prepare you for some sort of, they call it fight or flight mode because it's either like, okay, we got to prepare for some horrible thing that's about to happen to us. Um, so we really want to move your breath to the, the diaphragm. And that's just one quick way to do it. Just put your hands on the base of your rib cage, breathe in, and then breathe out for longer than you breathe in. So just count to four on, the, on breathing in and then count to seven on the, when you're breathing out. And that has been absolutely game changing for me. Um, and so it's just like an easy thing that you can start with. So that would be like my quick tip for you. I love that. Part of me is like, should we just do that now? Sure. Yeah, let's just do it now. Okay. okay. So yeah, place your, your hands on the base of your rib cage mm-hmm. and then I'll count. And I just want you to make sure when you're breathing that your hands are moving and that's how you know you're breathing through your diaphragm. So okay. breathe in for one, two, three, four, and then breathe out for one, two, three, four five, six, seven. And so when you repeat that a few times, you'll start to notice that all of those symptoms, the, the stress, it may not make it go away, but you're definitely sending signals to your, to your brain and to your body that everything's going to be okay. That's a good first step. Great. I think it's very helpful to know What's a tool you can just lean on when you're feeling a little anxious? Yeah. All right. Well, we got plenty more questions. I mean, there's so much stigma around mental illness. I'd love to talk about what that means on its own to mental illness and what are examples of that. Uh, what do you think is a good place to start with these questions? Um, yeah, we can talk about stigma first. I think that the science is still catching up, in my opinion. If there's other diseases out there, other you know situations out there where as soon as the science came into it, then all those stigmas went away. People are no longer afraid of it. And so I think for so long, these terminologies that people have associated with mental health challenges or mental illness or these disorders um, has been like, oh, you're crazy or oh, you're insane. Um, And so it automatically, remember we talked about that spectrum, like it automatically goes to people fearing to be on that side of the spectrum. And so even like portrayal in the media and in certain parts of entertainment, um, mental illness gets glorified. And most people, you know, like most people think like, if you're mentally ill, you're violent, when in fact, the statistics show that most people who have a mental illness are not violent at all. But I think that's what gets portrayed a lot of the time. And so that's what people see. And so the people that are experiencing these mental health challenges don't want to come out and admit that they're there because they don't want to be associated with that. Um, I also think like culturally, depression, anxiety have been associated with, or people have thought that it's a form of weakness. I even felt that. I was embarrassed to admit that I was experiencing these things. And I thought that it was just my own fault and that I wasn't trying hard enough or I wasn't working hard enough or, oh, there must be something I can do um, where really, when really it was like, it had nothing to do with me as a person and my weakness. And I shouldn't have been embarrassed, but I was. Um, but all of that, all of that ties into stigma. So I think it's, it's definitely getting better. People are opening up more about it and just talking about it. For me, when, once I started to tell people, it was like, a relief off my shoulders because I no longer felt embarrassed about it. And then also 
the response I got was insane. People were like, and here I am using the word insane, but like, it was wild. Like people were like, oh my gosh, I've experienced the same thing. Like you've nothing to be embarrassed about. Like everyone has, has, has been touched by this in some way. So I definitely think it's getting better. Would you say that typically mental illness, like it's inevitable that you're going to end up having these feelings and these uncontrollable things that you then have to learn how to control? Or is it something that develops? Um, I think it could be both. So I will preface this by saying like, I'm not a certified mental health professional. Um, I'm simply a mental health advocate. I have, we have a lot of therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists on um, as our advisors, but I'm simply coming from the perspective of someone who's had to deal with this and learning through our community. I've seen it all. I've seen people who've literally been dealing with this since basically since they were a young kid and it seemingly was that they were born with it. And then I've seen other people who were quote unquote fine their entire life. And then all of a sudden, you know, these symptoms came out of nowhere. You can't really say like, oh, I, ha- or, I don't know if I have a mental illness. It's like the best thing to do is just go see a professional and see what they have to say about it. Through therapy, you might be able to track it back to a certain trauma that you experienced that, that's, that maybe brought these symptoms on or not. You know, like in my case, I can't think of a single trauma that I went through. And so I think it was just something genetic for me and my brother. But it just depends on the person. Yeah. And I thank you for sharing it and speaking on it and being willing to talk about what you're going through, whether or not you are certified. I think you definitely have a lot to share. And, you know, that's why I've reached out to you and just know that I think you're (laughs) making a difference with what you have been doing. So we kind of talked about a couple of basic terms, um, but now let's talk about what we can do. What are some ways you can tell if someone is experiencing mental illness or maybe if you yourself are not sure and you're trying to figure out what's going on or if you're maybe you're just feeling down like what are some ways to kind of figure out what's going on yeah so I think like number one if you're the person who is experiencing the symptoms then I think the first thing you should do is go see a professional I think just checking in with yourself and and realizing that it could be bigger than you. And it may not be something that you can handle on your own. Um, There definitely are tools in place, you know, because you can't be with your doctor 24 seven. And that's kind of the point of Broglie Box too, is like, sometimes you need these little reminders or these tools that you can have in your toolbox that you can pull out at any time. But yeah, I would say like, number one, if you're experiencing a lot of these symptoms and not feeling like yourself, the first thing to do is to find a really good doctor uh, or a therapist. Um, And we can talk about you know, like some advice I have on how to find that. Yeah, definitely. We'll kind of start with things you can do yourself. And then we'll mention some resources that people can use and look into to find help. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of like things you can do for yourself, you mentioned like the six pillars of self-care that we, you know, those six pillars have been based on, um, you know, a lot of research we've done with mental health professionals and kind of seeing like mental health and body health from a holistic perspective. I will start out by saying like self-care is completely unique to the individual. So I would say like try to find a couple of things that that resonate with you and that will look different from person to person. So if you if someone re- makes a recommendation, try it, but it may not resonate with you and you might have to find something else. Um, but those six categories, there's plenty of different options within those six categories. Um, so just like starting with mindfulness, for example, mindfulness is the ability to become more reflective than reactive. That's like basic definition. And there are different mindfulness practices you can do 
that will help you become more reflective of your situation than reactive. Um, mindfulness helps me in particular when my anxiety is really high and I'm having a lot of ruminating thoughts and I'm just like spinning out of control. Um, mindfulness allows me to take those thoughts and actually separate them from myself and say these thoughts may or may not be true. Some of them are just like I'm, I can see myself spiraling. Um, and so by practicing mindfulness, I've been able to like recognize like when I'm having unhelpful thoughts and when I should do something about it. So being reflective versus reactive. Gratitude, like there's plenty of science out there that shows that having a gratitude practice just helps change your perspective. You know, that could be as simple as writing three things down that you're grateful for every day or just taking five minutes and listing like one thing in your present environment that you're grateful for. Sleep is so huge. People don't realize how connected sleep is to your mental health. I think there's a lot of talk and, and even like um, fitness too, like movement. A lot of, there's a lot of talk about how, you know, these things help your physical health and they don't realize that the connection with mental health as well. Like with sleep, that could be just creating an environment that is more cognizant to sleep. So like making sure all of your, your windows have dark curtains, you can't see any light, preparing for sleep by turning off your devices a couple hours before and really protecting yourself from the blue light. That one's really hard to do, but... Right? Yeah. We actually put blue blocker glasses in some of our boxes because it's just a reality that some people can't turn off their devices or you know, they're just so used to having their phone or their, their TV or computer. So we're like, at least put the blue blocking glasses on. And so you're not getting all that exposure. But yeah, so and then, you know, nutrition, it's seemingly obvious to people that, you know, you are what you eat when it comes to your physical body, but you truly are what you eat when it comes to your mental health, too. And, um, you know, be kind to yourself. So if you don't eat healthy all the time, like it's okay. But if I'm having a moment where I'm like, I, I take a look at the food that I'm about to eat and say, like, is this going to help me? Is this going to make me feel good later? Is this going to make me anxious later? Because I've identified certain foods that make me feel bad, like dairy, sometimes caffeine, a lot of sugar. Like when I, I'm such bad sweet tooth. But when I eat sugar, I'm so anxious. And so I've identified that. And now I can, you know, just make smarter decisions when it comes to that. Also, there's just a lot of vitamins out there that, you know, we have a lot of dietitian partners contributing to our magazine to teach people what, you know, vitamins and minerals you should really be looking out for. Magnesium is one of them, um, ties back into mental health and into sleep. And so go get tested for what you're deficient in. You might be deficient in B12, which is why you're tired all the time, for example. Um, and then, you know, there's ways to incorporate that to make sure you're getting that in your diet. And then the last one is relaxation. And that one, you know, that could be anything from just taking five minutes to yourself. That could be meditation. That could be massage. That could be putting on a, a really beautifully scented candle or aromatherapy, um, writing in a journal. So identifying what, what relaxation is to you. Like for my boyfriend, playing his guitar is like his form of relaxation. If I picked up a guitar, like that would do nothing but stress me out because I don't know how to play it or I'm really not good at it. So anyway, just identifying those things I think is really important. And then writing them down. Like I, I literally, when I was in the worst of my depression, I literally had like a to do when panicking or to do when really sad list. And I would check it off. Like number one, take a shower. Number two, go outside, go for a walk, like get out of the environment. Number three, chug three glasses of water. Um, like I had all these things that I identified that were kind of helpful to me and just kind of went through the list mindlessly while I was 
in that horrible state. That is a lot of really helpful advice. Are there any items, whether it's items that are in a Broglie box currently or in the past, that you think help with some of those different resources and methods that you've mentioned? Yeah. So, you know, we have like these really awesome gratitude jars and you can make a gratitude jar out of any jar that you have, like a mason jar or just like a cup, like anything that you have. And just write one thing down on a post-it every day. Literally watch your cup fill up with all the things you're grateful for. I think it's really powerful. We have weighted eye masks that come in the box. We have mindful coloring books. We have mindfulness cards with different mindfulness prompts. So those are some of my favorite examples. Um, we did this build your own bonsai tree kit, which I saw on your Instagram that you got someone gifted you a palm tree or something. Yes, that ended up being really stressful and not stress relieving and ultimately ended up being it's missing. So it seems it, like there were a lot of steps. There were a lot of steps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of steps and then ultimately for nothing. For some people like that is really relaxing to like nurture something and watch something grow. But if you yeah, know not that me. that's not going to help you, like, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> that's going to be another episode, how to take care of plants. So <laughs> oh, good. I can't wait to listen to that. I, <laughs> uh, I need that one pretty bad. Um, okay. Friends or family that might be concerned about a loved one, if you want to bring something up because you're concerned about your family member, is it okay to, you know, ask them what's going on? Is it better to wait till they approach you? What are ways to go about that? So I went through mental health um, first aid training, and something that I learned that was really impactful for me is I always assumed that when I, when you ask someone if they're thinking about suicide, it would somehow like plant the idea in their head. And in fact, that's not true at all. Um, so it is so important that if you suspect that someone is depressed or you finally get to the point of having that conversation where they're telling you that they're depressed, it is so critical and so important that you ask them if they're thinking about harming themselves or if they're thinking about dying or if they're, they're thinking about suicide. Um, and you have to use those words. And it, it's not comfortable, obviously. It's not going to be comfortable. But it's so important that you bring it up. And it's absolutely not going to be putting the idea in their head. And two, like when you ask the question, then you can actually do something with that information. If they say yes, then that's like, okay, now we're on crisis mode and we can find you the help that you need and you can actually do something about it and, and potentially prevent them from dying by suicide. So I think like first and foremost, I just want to make sure I said that because a lot of people don't realize that they should really ask like bluntly straight out if someone is thinking about doing that and, and just approaching it with compassion and knowing that you know, the reason that someone dies by suicide is, is most likely not because they want to die. It's because they're in so much pain that it feels like they just want it to stop and they, they need it to end. And their brain is actually like convincing them that the world would be better off without them. So it's, it has nothing to do with them wanting to die or choosing to die. Um, it's really just that they're in so much, they're in so much pain, they're in so much darkness that they feel like it would be better if it just ended. So it is a really hard thing to approach someone. If, if you think that someone's having concerns, it's so important to bring it up. And there's different ways that you can approach the conversation. And I think this goes back to your relationship with that person. So start by like thinking about how that person is. So are they typically someone who is like straightforward or are they 
they not maybe not like so much confrontation. So you can use all of this knowledge of, of that person to approach it. Um, and then it just approach it with heart, you know, tell them like, Hey, I've noticed you have done X, Y, and Z, or you haven't done X, Y, and Z. Um, and so I just wanted to check in with you and ask how you really are. Um, because I've noticed you haven't been showing up, you know, just making sure you're still checking in on people, even from afar. Um, but then you could, or you could relate it to a situation that you've been in. So you can say like, Hey, like I felt really down and I, I noticed that you were saying some things that made me feel like you might be feeling down. So I just wanted to check in with you. And I would say like, those are some ways that you can approach the conversation. And as long as the person knows that you're approaching it with good intentions, then that's key. I mean, if you're approaching it with intentions of like, I just want to kind of just to be butting in on the situation, that's a different story. It's like, okay, like what are your intentions here? If it's really to help the person and then also being prepared. So if that person says like, yes, I'm having issues. Yes, I'm depressed. Yes, I'm, you know, I need help. Are you going to be that person prepared to help them through that? Because if someone's opening up and telling you and trusting you, then they've chosen you as their advocate. They need your help. What are ways to help them? Let's say that that is the situation. What is the right thing to do next? So I would start by, I mean, I've literally been in this situation a number of times and I started by saying, like, first of all, like, thanking them for telling me what they're going through, ensuring them that they're not alone in this and that, that I'm going to be there for them, letting them know that their feelings are absolutely valid. Many times people will be like, well, I shouldn't be feeling this way because of X, Y, Z, or I should just get over it. And so just reminding them that what they're feeling is absolutely valid and there may or may not be a reason for it, but that doesn't, re that doesn't take away how bad it is for them. The next step would be like, hey, like, how about we find someone that you can talk to, a professional that um, we, so we can help you feel better. Um, and so there's several ways you can do that. The first thing I would start with is either by calling the insurance company of that person or checking out on um, psychology today, or there's actually this matching software on, it's called To Write Love on Her Arms. That's a nonprofit and they have this matching service and you can put in your location and your preferences if you want to see like a man or a woman if what age range you're looking for um, if you need financial assistance so you can like put all of those different um, criteria in and it'll help find someone for you I think too as an advocate it's really hard to get the courage and even the strength to call to some of these therapists and then sometimes you call and they're not available, like they have a waiting list or something. And so doing as much of that upfront work as possible is so important and helpful, I think. Like if you're like, okay, here's our list of therapists that either like fall within your insurance or are in the, the radius mileage wise, or they're, maybe you want to see someone virtually, like okay, then say like, hey, I'm going to call them for you and just see if they have availability right now because they have to, the person actually has to call to set up the appointment, like the person who needs, who needs the treatment. But you could do maybe some of that upfront work for them. Wow, that's really helpful. And whoever does do that or has done that, that's a really good friend or a really good person to have. Yeah. I also think it's really telling. You said, you know, a lot of these resources have a waiting list. So that right there tells you that no one's alone. Everybody yeah. is going through something at some level and needs help. Are there any other things that you 
Yeah, I just want to say really quick um, that I didn't mention is like the crisis text line is really good um, to just be aware of. So you just text home HOME to 741741 and literally 24 seven a crisis text line counselor will be available to talk to you. So if you feel like you're in crisis and need someone to talk to um, and feel like you're not ready to talk to a friend, um, you can text that and they'll talk you through whatever you're going through. And then I'll also just mention like there's a lot of online services like Talkspace and BetterHelp, which is basically virtual therapy. Um, those services, you can talk through um, messaging. They also have other platforms like video and calling and stuff like that as well. How important or how necessary would you think going to a therapist is? Do you think that everyone should have one or is it kind of it depends on, on your needs? I mean, therapy has been like absolutely game changing for me and I could not say more good things about therapy. There is a process though. And I think you need to be paired with the right person. Um, so I saw a number of people before I found somebody who really resonated with me. You need to kind of define your intention first and say like, what do I want to get out of this? You know, if you think that you need to see someone, if you're considering seeing someone, then you know, like you don't have to be going through like a crisis to see a therapist. And I think that's where the disconnect is with a lot of people. You can go to therapy for anything. So I, I strongly encourage it. Right. For those who want to also maybe volunteer and get involved, do you know of any resources or places where people can help others and, and volunteer their time? Anyone can be a crisis tech counselor, actually. Um, there is, I think it's a 12-week program that you go through and they train you on how to do that. But you can volunteer um, and then there's different shifts. And I know right now, like, they really need the help. And so if you feel like you want to help out in that way, that would be amazing. It doesn't have to be with strangers. It can be with your network. If you want to help out, like, start asking your friends, start talking about these things I think communication is everything and just letting people know that you are open to the conversation if it needs to happen. And that can start by being vulnerable with other people and kind of showing like, hey, I've been through this or hey, like if you ever need someone like really need someone, not just like when I ask how you are, I'm not just asking surface level, like I really want to know how you are. It's really hard to ask someone that, but it can be life changing. Yeah. In addition to everything you've mentioned, I think another great idea is send somebody a Broglie box. I don't <laughs> think we've mentioned this, but it's really common to give as a gift to someone that you love. Uh, so I do want you to have an opportunity to share how people can share a Broglie box. How can people learn more about that? How can people send one to a friend or a family member? Share that yeah. with us. Oh, thank you so much for your kind words. That's so nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we just, um, you can go on our website. It's broglybox.com. So B-R-O-G-L-I-E-B-O-X.com. And right now we have a selection of different care packages that you can send. They're all different price points and all different types of items. Um, and so you can go on and pick the one that you think is best for the situation. Um, and then we have six greeting cards that you can choose from and you can type out a personalized message and we handwrite all of them, package them up and ship them off to your loved ones. Some people do buy them for themselves just as like a self-love, um, self-care act. But I would say the majority of people are sending them to someone else. We also are currently doing this initiative. So the company has a, a nonprofit arm. 
we're raising money and we've raised so much already. It's, it's hard to believe. Um, but we're sending care packages to frontline healthcare workers, um, working in the hospitals. And so if you feel inclined to help support that mission, um, there's a link for that as well. And then just follow us on Instagram. It's at the Brogley box. We try to post things that are uplifting. One thing we didn't talk about is social media and it can be so, it can be very detrimental or very helpful for your mental health. And so, you know, we just try to fill our followers feeds with as, as much positivity, helpful tips, um, resources, those types of things. Well, I really appreciate your time. You have been so wonderful. And I'm really, really glad that I connected with you. Thank you for having me on the show. And I'm, I'm so excited to continue to listen to your episodes and watch the podcast grow. Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, reflecting on the concept of gratitude, I want to say that I am very grateful for you and for everyone who's listening and tuning in. Um, It really means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you, everyone listening. And we will continue this conversation next time. If there is a basic task or aspect of life that you cannot grasp, or if you want to learn more about this topic, email howdidigetthisfar at gmail.com and tag at howdidigetthisfarpod on Instagram with your helpful hacks. Finally, please give the podcast a rating and review so the show can continue tackling more struggles. But that's as far as we will get for now. I'm Amanda Ogan. Thanks for listening.